right? I and, may not um, release it, but I'll record it. And so Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's Kivecast. Star Space Station with a snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as... Hello, space freaks. Welcome to a most unusual vintage pod. It's the Kivecast 73 expurgated version. The expurgated version. This is your first time listening to our show. Why don't you try episode 59 or 72? Now, I've already released episode 73. I released it a couple days ago. And it contained lots of inappropriate material because it contained an interview with a collector who we call either The Shadow or Fluffy. Now these stories were great. They were recorded in sort of a sunny, drunken, smoky haze. And I tried to edit them so that they would be entertaining, um, but it turns out I edited them sort of not enough. Um, I decided to take it out because Fluffy, who I consider to be a friend, tells stories in kind of a larger-than-life, somewhat abrasive, and perhaps hyperbolic way. I thought if I prefaced it enough, it would sort of give that feel of like being in a locker room or like playing at a poker table or something and being with the guys and sort of having a kind of a raucous party sharing stories. But it just didn't come across that way. But if you are a loyal space freak and you subscribe to the Kivecast, you probably have already heard the censored version. I should mention that Steve himself does not subscribe to our podcast. Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Thanks for the support, man. The good news is, it contains this awesome interview with Jonathan Robinson um, about his collection and about, um, about his documentary. And in the time since I recorded this episode, um, he did this documentary about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I got the Blu-ray, and I've watched it twice in the last weekend. I, don't really, I didn't realize it was such a great movie. It really is like the counterpoint to Star Wars, and I think that everyone should watch it. It's such an amazing, human, touching tale with a lot of real deep themes. It's sort of like a, a happy look on aliens and a really sad look on the American family. All of it. It's just amazing. It's just a great movie. And Jonathan is coming out with a documentary about it, and we interview him and talk to him about it and his life in cinema. So that's pretty much all that remains. Beyond that, we also have a, have a market watch. Um, but really, I also want everyone to go listen to Steve's interview on, on the Vintage Rebellion because, you know, that's awesome content, and I didn't even want to compete with them this month for however much we compete in the first place. So anyway, enjoy the expurgated version uh, of Kivecast 73, now with 100% less fluffy. Don't quote me, boy, because I ain't... Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast number 73. Yeah, number 73, Steve. This is not a usual episode. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) <laughs> well, at this point, we should start calling our normal episodes the unusual episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the real reason, Steve, that we don't want to have a real episode, do you know why I don't want to have a real episode, Steve? Uh, I could guess a few things, but it's probably better if you just tell me. Because, Steve, <laughs> people shouldn't be listening to this. You should... 
hang up on this podcast and go listen to the Vintage Rebellion. Oh man! Because have you have you listened? Stephen <laughs> Brahe Daniels was indeed on the uh, was on the Vintage Rebellion and a yeah, n- a nice long interview. And I I really want people to listen to that instead of this. Like that's the work. Like we should be supporting those guys. And people should be listening to that. So this episode is going to be essentially three interviews. It's going to be with Jonathan Robinson. Yep. So he's been a long time space freak. Um, I will say, Steve, that uh, I have fully given in to collecting on Facebook. I've noticed uh, your your activity is has spiked. <laughs> yes, I I am officially doing it, Steve. I'm, yeah. I'm just doing it now. I I well, I was resistant. I, I didn't. So, so was I. Yeah. I, I didn't like the change, but I now participate in uh, in collectibles of the week whenever I have something to show, and I post on people's comments and threads. And really, the 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 heart the the Harvats or Havrats as you call them, um, are are really helpful because like they post a lot of good stuff and like uh, you know like Ross Bar obviously is all over the place and. There's you know there's lots of good drama like there was on it's basically the same thing I it, I just it's true I just don't it's know true. all the names now I'm knowing all the names and so yeah. if you're out there if you're well I'm not a part of the old guard but if you're part of the middle guard like me and you're like ah eh, screw all this <laughs> Facebook mess uh, just jump in because because it is pretty fun and all the problems with it being too fractured and not permanent enough are totally true but just do it anyways I know Duncan Jenkins posted in the collectible of the week. Yeah, that's right. He had some. Uh, it was all Chewbacca stuff, yeah, right? It was all Chewbacca stuff, and this is going to sound amazingly blowhardy, but whatever. Um, I have never seen so many Chewbacca things. I do not own in one picture. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it was, but the thing was, like the way that he posed everything, there was like a kind of spirit and a happiness to it, mm-hmm. and I just loved it. So like. It used to be I would see a picture of stuff I don't have, and it would give me that sort of like, ooh, need, need, need. But I just mm-hmm. saw it, and I was just like, damn, that is a sweet picture. So I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, we should, we should include a picture, uh, we should include a, include a picture in the show notes. I don't even know if yeah. I'm going to enhance this episode because there's going to be so little we'll talk about. Oh, I'll, I'll enhance it, Steve. We should, we should, uh, <laughs> we should have someone animate the the tales that that Fluffy uh, oh, yes. spins. Yes. That would be great. That would be good. If you, it, it, <laughs> uh, if, if you do that, I'll make you a, a free. Uh, I'll make you a Skyku of a character of your choice. A uh, card back. Yes. There um, you go. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, my brother actually wants to start doing paintings and giving away to our fans. Um, oh yeah. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah, he does like wicked awesome paintings. I, I, yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've seen some of the ones he's done for your kids, and they're awesome. Yeah. So we'll have to figure out a way to do that. Um, yeah. But he keeps asking me. I'm like, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm no good at doing stuff. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I've been like – I've been participating more. Um, an interesting thing was, Steve, so you know how I collect uh, Empire Strikes Back 21 backs? Yes, yeah. So there's a lot of the newer collectors who are going after that run. Really? A ton. There's like okay. five of them. And, yeah. and I mean, like, these are the guys who are, like, out there, who seem to be spending the most money, just super excited, you know? Mm-hmm. And none of them have the Jawa for some reason. Mm. And uh, so I just put it out there that I'm like... Oh, yeah, I did see this. I was yeah. like, hey, I'm, I'm open for a trade. Um, but the thing was, I put the caveat of, I just want you to be warned, 
If you're used to <laughs> trading at, at the speed of Facebook, you are going to be confused and annoyed. I am like that tree in The Hobbit. I'm going to tell you, don't be hasty. So, uh, oh yeah, I uh, I have to say that that uh, <laughs> that cracked me up quite a bit. Steve, when I, saw that. I like you're being you. You know what? You're being completely honest. I'm being completely your... honest because I I'm not dying to trade it. I like it. But there's right. like five people who are dying for it. So it's mm -hmm. like maybe I'll get something back in trade that I really like more. So I'm just kind of putting it out there. Mm -hmm. But I've been in an avalanche of, of, I was of saying, offers. Did you just get well, yeah, and then people offer me money and like some people offer me something and then some people offer me like five times that other thing. And I'm like, I don't know what it's worth. And it's just like I got all this stuff going on. So um, <laughs> it's uh, – it's uh, it's pretty interesting as far as a, a social experiment. Yeah, no, it's it's that's what it is, and I think you're you're taking advantage of the uh, of the experimental aspect of it. And we'll come back to this uh, uh, some other time. But so you know how there's all these like terms that people hate in collecting. Yes, you know, like 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 minty and farm boy mm -hmm. and grail. Yep, yep. I'm trying to create one. I, I almost had to say something for this, but I figured you were going to bring it up <laughs> in the show. So I want us to start calling stormtroopers troopies. So <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just I uh, I'm do Steve. You can just go ahead because I'm doing. I'm going full force. I'm applying all of my skill and talent at influencing people to calling them troopies, and you will see people are going to start calling stormtroopers troopies because stormies is lame and troopies I, I is hilarious. Uh, well, <laughs> Steve, do, do you do you have any troopies in your collection? No. You see, I have a couple. I have a couple stormtroopers. Uh, do, do you have any scout troopies? <laughs> How about hoth troopies? You see, Steve, it's just gonna keep going. See, I'm I'm imagining now, like maybe within the next couple of years, there'll be like some weird Disney toy line called troopies. Yes. If you, I don't know, maybe you should you should pitch that to them. I, that seems right My up there. My troopies. Oh, I am I'm very very pleased with this idea. So I, I gotta ask, like, I mean, I haven't really been able to follow the uh, the reaction to this, but have the uh, the stormtrooper collectors been warm or uh, not so much? Well, what I said was, if you like any post on Facebook in the next week, you are supporting troopies, <laughs> and people have been liking stuff all over the place. Ah, uh, see, all right. So all as right. far as I can figure, support for troopies is out there. Just over the over yeah, the top. and you know what? Celebration Seven has been announced. Have we even talked about that on the episode on the show? Uh, you know, I don't think we have, actually. Yeah. So, uh, April of next year. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, Steve and I will not be rooming together. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, were you able to get a room somewhere? I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got I got a room. I was on top of okay. it. So, I should yeah. probably be staying with, I don't know, some people I've stayed with before, but Steve and I have yeah. never stayed together and probably never <laughs> will. Um, uh you know, we're like you know how the Rolling Stones take different private jets to each of their concerts. Yeah, that's that's exactly it right there. <laughs> I bet that's kind of how we are. Or I guess related to you, like Eddie Vedder and Stone Goosard, like don't talk to each other. <laughs> like, do they actually? Are they friends? I, I think they're all pretty pretty friendly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I got maybe the Stones. Yeah, there you go. We're that cool. We're that yeah. big. Well, I don't think you really even they need to talk about Celebration Seven. Hap I mean, eight happening. Celebration Eight, okay. right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's eight. Celebration eight happening, except that it's happening in Florida, which is awesome. Right. Um, and that we're going to have another archive party. And we're going to put out offers for 
who wants to be a sponsor and I think we're going to get more people wanting to do it. I think we're going to raise more money. I think we're going to have more giveaways. I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, yep, it'll be crazy. I, I just tell you, I, get your swag together. I want to see some troopy swag out there. Oh, God. <laughs> My uh, troopy. Oh, oh, no. What, a, what is happening? Uh, it's great. You know, we have to make this hobby great again, Steve. And uh, that's and we the, begin with with troopies. With troopies. That's that's, that's yeah. where it all starts. That's where we started. My vinti troopies. Oh no! My mint. Oh, my, no, no, you just, <laughs> my that's min- exponentially bad. <laughs> my minty vinti troopies. <laughs> oh! Somebody stop this guy. Well, space freaks. This was exactly where the fluffy interview went. I started waxing poetic about what it was like. And uh, talking about how excited I was to finally get him on the podcast. But I guess there's a reason that he's the shadow. Have you ever tried to grab a shadow? Do you know what happens when you try really hard to grab a shadow? You break your damn hands. Okay, on with the Jonathan Robinson interview. The expurgated version. Hello. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Doing great. Hey, Thanks. Jonathan. <laughs> hey, guys. How y'all doing? Sorry, uh, I was in mid-chew. Uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, <laughs> snacks I was trying to uh, uh, choke down real quick. But um, thank you guys for uh, entertaining me with the uh, the possibility of talking with you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, on the last episode, we, we put out the call like, hey, if you want to be on the episode, uh, let us know. And like you're a perfect example because – I know you've been listening for a long time and, you know, we've met you at celebrations and you seem like a great dude, but, you know, we just never really thought, I guess because you're not a focus collector, we're not like, oh, we need him on for some reason. So, absolutely. Let this be a lesson to everybody else. You really should email Steve and you'll get on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no no special privilege or anything like that. It's just me simply reaching out uh, once you guys put that – uh, out to the, us listeners, and I thought, well, let me try. I'm sure I'll be, you know, in line with a hundred other people, and um, so I'm, I'm glad you uh, you were gracious enough to allow me to talk. That's cool. It sounds like you have some uh, some noise in the background. You uh, you a family man, Jonathan? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> four four children with another one on the way. Yeah. I was hoping that you would sound just like Huey Long. Um, your oh. <laughs> your accent is not quite thick enough. It at least exists, so you get credit for that. But uh. yes. well, well, here, here you go. I am Alabamian by birth. Oh, you're you've officially made a movie, right? Correct. So that, why don't you tell the uh, the space freaks uh, what the what the movie's about? Yes, uh, I guess uh, to better clarify it as a, a documentary. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's uh, entitled Who Are You People? It uh, deals with the subject matter of uh, the making of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but as told from the perspective of those locals who are, were from Mobile, Alabama at the time back in 1976 from May to September of 1976. So Columbia Pictures decided to shoot the majority of their film in Mobile due to the fact that there were uh, there was an Air Force base and still is there a Berkeley Air Force base and uh, at the time after uh, at the end of the uh, Vietnam War its use was declared you know uh, I guess uh, inconsequential right. uh, 
Therefore, they, uh, you know, I think what the Johnson administration decided to shut that down. And, uh, it just said vacant. And, uh, there were a couple of, uh, shows on, um, I think NBC. It was one show in particular, Moving On, with Chet Atkins. Really? Yeah. And it was, it was about this man and his semi tractor trailer. And he would go from state to state and he would be incurring all of these adventures. The musician, Chet Atkins? Yes, exactly. The musician. Huh. Actor. Yes. Have absolutely. you done a documentary about that TV show as well? <laughs> That's coming up. Okay. So the thing is that led that producer telling the producers of uh, Close Encounters and the location manager that, hey, you know, if you're looking for a really good spot to shoot your climactic scene, which occurs outside uh, in the open night air of Devil's Tower, yet yet it doesn't. And in that sense, that's really Spielberg just wanting to have complete control over uh, his uh, his uh, shooting environment because Jaws was such an ordeal to make. Mm. Being out on the open water, uh, not being in charge of the weather, uh, not uh, the shooting schedule was just hectic, and the guy just really went uh, you know, through the gates of hell in order to uh, get that movie made. And he, you know, vowed to himself, I'm going to have a lot more control. And that meant for Close Encounters to actually uh, be able to shoot inside a studio that's large enough so that it would not detract from the construction uh, of that set so that it would appear to look like a landing strip outside at night. And Joe Alves, who was the production designer for Jaws, would work on Close Encounters as well. And it was up to him, the location manager, Joe O'Hara, to actually go and find it. And they looked nowhere. It's nowhere in uh, California. There were no stages that existed at that time. The only thing that was on the West Coast was in Oregon. And it was a big uh, hangar, but it had pylons in the middle. Uh, so that would have you know, kept them from you know, looking at an um, unobstructed view. Uh, 180 degree view of uh, the set, so uh, they found it in Mobile, and that's what brought the production um, to Mobile, and that's why uh, even Alabamians have no clue that 80 percent of the film was shot there back in '76. Right, because it has like the whole. Uh, I must admit that I think I've only seen the movie twice. Once mm-hmm. when I was a kid and way too confused. And I remember just thinking that the word Diablo was cool. I don't remember what that is. <laughs> it's my first foreign word I ever learned. And then maybe when I was in high school or something, but I feel like it's a movie like I don't know that well to the point where, Steve, I thought that it was made in 1978. I thought that it was a response huh. to Star Wars. So I guess my trademark yeah. is stupidity. No, no. Not, I, you know, and you don't give yourself enough credit because what some of the things that you express, I think, are naturally... <laughs> the thing about you, Sky, is the fact that uh, I think you are the everyman in the sense that you're the every collector, you're the every moviegoer that has these common thoughts. Right. And you're just representing what the majority of us listeners tend to think along. You see what I'm saying? So I'll give you credit in that respect as opposed to calling you stupid. Right. So, so, and, so Steve is the, is, the, is the Hollywood insider, the elitist, <laughs> inside yes, the is. beltway uh, kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. He's the snob. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so I thought that they only greenlit it in response to Star Wars. I didn't realize that that he'd actually made it so close to Star Wars. Yes, they were shooting it in tandem, and in fact, as the the story goes, it was supposed to have been released Easter of 1977. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
that would really mess stuff up. So I want to know more about Jonathan Robinson, the collector, because I've known of you as Raven Seventy D D L P or D. Yeah. Because you're yeah. a director of photography, right? Well, I, I'm not. It's just a uh, a moniker that was uh, placed on me during uh, college. So I was the guy who uh, in our uh, video production, sorry, our, our uh, television production group in college. Uh, decided we get together and instead of shooting on cruddy video cameras, we would actually utilize 16 millimeter film and film equipment that was actually owned by the University of South Alabama. And, uh, you know, I asked permission of my teacher and they said, yeah, that's fine. So it was neat to be able to learn that medium, that older medium, when everybody else was trying to advance, you know, uh, into, uh, it wasn't even HD yet. That's what's Yeah, about. that's, that's awesome. Well, well, you know, one thing you should know, you should definitely go out and visit Steve because uh, if you like film, Steve, mm -hmm. Steve is up to his <laughs> elbows in film <laughs> conservation. and uh, He's doing the Lord's work. Yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, any, any time you're out here. It's, it's funny you mentioned um, shooting on 16. I think when I was at UCSB in their film program, we were the last class that was able to rent out the 16 millimeter cameras and oh. like i was the only one that seemed really really excited about that and, <laughs> and yeah it's just it's the way of the past it's crazy it's unfortunate you know and yeah. it was uh i i last year i i loaded uh for 12 years the first 12 years of my career so from 2000 when uh I mean, my first official movie was really uh 1998 when i was still in college and then the first time I was in the camera department uh, was loading in 2000. So from 2000 to 2012, which was my last, uh, Now You See Me was my last film that I, um, that I actually loaded for. Well, last year I get a call and, uh, uh, hey, do you know how to load film? I'm like, yeah, I do. Who is this? I'm like, well, we're shooting uh, up here in uh, Jackson, Louisiana, and uh, it's uh, the remake of Magnificent Seven. Uh, we need you to load film. Because it looks like all these youngsters don't know how to, you know, touch. They don't know what the film is. They're all ones and zeros. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And it's the sweet deal about it was like, um, and uh, just to make sure we keep you, you don't run away, we'll pay you as a second AC uh, So that while you're loading. So it's just a nice step above union rate-wise. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. So that was last year. It was neat to get in there in the dark room, smell the emulsion, you know, just be immersed in the dark, and it, it's really cathartic yeah. in that sense of like being surrounded by nothing and only having the sense of touch uh, to decompress by. So. so let's let's talk about collecting, Jonathan, because I um I've uh, Steve sent me. I don't know if I'm a part of this club, this group, the 20th Century Toys and Collectibles, mm -hmm. um, but he just sent it to me here, and this is definitely this looks like a really fun collection and a fun closet and somebody who has five kids and who still manages <laughs> to have a good space uh, yeah. to, to, to show their stuff. So how, how do you describe yourself as a collector? Uh, I would say uh, in it for the long haul. Right. Uh, that, that I had, um, before I knew about any of you guys, it's like you almost start off and you're by yourself in this. Right. Like there's no way anybody else could be as um, obsessed about something like this and uh obviously pre-internet days uh you know i'm talking about 89 when i was in um eighth grade getting ready to go into high school and for some reason the bug bit me to go back and um collect 
these Star Wars figures that I only had a minimal amount of. And like Mr. Danley, uh, I, it, it's in the sense that um, I, I was not born uh, – I was born in 76, so I didn't get to really experience Star Wars and Empire. Right. But I did get to experience Jedi, and that blew my socks off. And uh, so it then became – once you get to 89 and 90, it becomes uh, this – uh, task of going back and seeing how much of this stuff really is around. Did, mm-hmm. you know, does, is any of it even at least in moderately played with fashion? I mean, I would, I would settle for rebel commanders with a, a, a foot chewed off by a dog. That, <laughs> I would buy that because that's all that I thought really, you know, well, that's as good as it's going to get. I remember like, that exact feeling. Yeah. Going to like comic shops around here that was just like, it was amazing just to find. <laughs> anything like oh we got this is it you got to have it <laughs> absolutely and i and i didn't feel bad about it they weren't asking an arm and a leg at the flea market for it and right. i felt like you know being in mobile alabama i was on the you know the edge of the earth anyway and there's like you know well at some point if i ever get to go to a big city you know uh, outside of the state then i'm sure i'll find something well i was dead wrong because as it turned out i was actually right next to as i was behind a gentleman who had the foresight to actually go and buy up as much carded toys as he could find, and that included every line, uh, you know, uh, the Kenner and Anna Jones, uh, G.I. Joe, all yeah. the uh, clearance Star Wars, uh, you know, Buck Rogers, Mego stuff out the yin-yang. It was incredible to me, and someone turned me on to him. And uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to know this guy. Uh, you know, so they, ho- they hooked me up with a telephone number. Uh, I brought my friend over, uh, who was also a fellow collector, and uh, we arranged this meeting. It was getting dark, and it was going to be out in the street. And, um, and my what, father was what like, year is this? This is uh, 1992. Okay, 92. So then you're 17, 15? I am uh, about to be – I'm 16 years old. Okay. Uh, I think at that time I'd already turned 16. And so it was, you know – Again, one of those. I was already in high school, but I felt like a, you know, a grown man. <laughs> like I'm about, I'm about to make a business transaction here. Yes. And you know, uh, I had thirty bucks to my name. My father's like, you know, what, what are you doing? Who are you waiting for? You know, and I'm like, well, I got a guy coming by. He's gonna, you know, dump off some toys. And so this guy, you know, showed up in this uh, hatchback semi sports car, uh, and he <laughs> pops the the trunk, and then uh, there's all these white uh, computer paper boxes. And I started flipping the lids off of them, and what I described before is what he had in his inventory. And just incredible. I mean, now that I think back on it, at the time, I just could not comprehend the fact that this much inventory even existed. And that is just a thimbleful of the ocean that, you know, we are now privy to today, like being able to, you know, just take it all in, like, wow, there's a lot more than what we ever expected. Uh, that remains from that time period. And I, I went through it. I said, okay, no, G.I. Joe, let me push that aside. Nah, I don't want, you know, Indiana Jones or Buck Rogers. I, you know, so I got the Star Wars. That was the main point. My friend goes through and he's like, oh, it's a, uh, Jedi, um, a 65 back, uh, Obi-Wan and a 65 back Darth Vader. How much do you want for these? Well, I wanted 15 bucks a piece, but you're, if you buy them together, it'd be $10 a piece. I'm like, and he's like, okay, great. He puts down his $20. I'm like, ooh, man, I can find something as nice as that, I hope. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, ooh, who is this EV-99, you know, with a, with a coin? I'm like, I, I don't – it doesn't seem familiar to me at all. And uh, he's like, well, that's, that's kind of a, a premium piece because it has a coin. I, I need 20 bucks for that. 
I'm like, oh, okay, let, let me see what else I can find for $10. And I put Evie uh, or Eve next to the, uh, to the side. And then I go for this other piece. I'm like, Boba Fett. I'm like, that's cool. Boba Fett on a 65-back Jedi card. How much do you want for him? Uh, Ten bucks. <laughs> I'm like, great. So I put down my $30 and walk back in the house. And my dad's like, so, so what just transpired? Because to him, all he can see is a shady deal going down yes. on a dark street. <laughs> and, you know, Absolutely. here I am, 16 years of age and not knowing – Quite not, you know, like, does my son do drugs? Is there something going on here? <laughs> and I was like, look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I show him, like, look what I got. And he's like, okay, how much you spent? I said, all of my $30. And he was livid. He's <laughs> like, you better go back. This, this guy is taking you for all your money. He's like, you just blew $30 on two toys that you could possibly get in the store today. And, you know, not having an idea that these things had, you know, been off the market, you know, for eight years now. And uh, it was just now I can go back to my father when certainly comes over to visit and say, remember these two items that night back in 1992? Well, they have increased in value. And it's kind of nice to rub that a little bit in his face with all due respect. Of course. But, you know, it's it, those we all have those kind of stories. And that was just the beginning of what led to this almost 400 carded you know, collection that I have of just vintage uh, Star Wars. So is that the only thing you bought from him that night? That's the only thing I bought from him that night. So I would constantly go back to this guy and arrange deals like, hey, I'm coming home from school uh, after 2.30 this afternoon. I got you know your cash waiting. And so I would constantly <laughs> buy up and buy up and buy up. I mean, I remember him having like a Han Carbonite for $100, uh, Luke Skywalker uh, Stormtrooper Disguise for $100, you know, saying like, oh, these are kind of, you know, wanted and um, I can get $100 for them in Australia. I was like, oh, man, you're shipping out to Australia? That's crazy. I, I've never, it's, you know, absurd. I've never heard of that before. And, uh, and I just basically bought off everything from his inventory down to where he was uh, maybe just selling mini rigs. And I just ate, gobbled all that up, too. And it was just, uh, I feel the way I collect is almost like a, a Jeff Jacob kind of way of, you know, collecting in the sense that it's that obsession with the, the variations and all the card backs. Mm-hmm. So when you when you mentioned earlier, no, I am not a focus collector. That is absolutely correct. Right. It's a defocus in the sense that it's almost like taking a fishnet and throwing it out into the yeah. water, seeing what I get. Because anything I get, as long as I don't have it before, is welcome. Right. Right. So you so you're one interesting thing about your your display is that it seems as though you're trying to make it look like a department store. Yeah, um, yeah. So you have pegs, and then you have all these figures, you know, on in star cases. Well, some of them aren't in star cases, which I actually appreciate. Um, <laughs> I just like I ran out. Yeah, well, I, I just uh, I just like the idea. You know, I think you have a, a Sherpa up there uh, who's just hanging on the peg like normal. And yeah, you know, yeah. maybe why not? Right? I th- I think that sometimes you know I'm like, why am I working so hard to keep these things? in such good shape, but I'm not going to sell them. And if I do, whatever. <laughs> well, do you know, uh, one thing that inspired me was back in 1993, there was a Starlog uh, article about Sansweet. Ah. And it's a wonderful spread. I still have that magazine to this day. And it talks about collecting Star Wars. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm on the right path. Because as we know, you know, his book that he put out, every early collector had to have that. And that was the Bible at the time. 
uh, for us collectors and just pouring over those pictures and, and, and just going nuts over it. But this Starlock magazine was impressive in the sense it has Steve squatting down next to one of those, um, what is that, a two foot or three foot tall Chewbacca, uh, that Canadian store. I don't know oh, yes. Canadian so well, it turns it's, out it's not a store display. We just discovered oh, that on Facebook with Duncan's oh, post, which actually, Steve, we should have mentioned. Did you know that, Steve? Oh, that's right. Oh, the, the, the thing about the Chewbacca not actually being a, a display piece, yes, right? So there's, there's, I, I did not know that. There's a no. three-foot, uh, very rare, uh, regal, made-in-Canada uh, stuffed Chewbacca toy, which I don't have. That's one of the seven things in the picture I didn't have. Um, <laughs> right. And it has the tags on it, and people are like, wow, I thought it was a store display. There's no evidence it was ever a store display. I don't know where that came up, but I thought it was true. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's it wasn't a store display. So in the star log, there's a picture of Steve next to oh, that. Yes, and uh, uh, right next to that is a is a uh, store display that has is a hanging display. I should say it's uh, it's got hanging uh, pegs uh, for the figures to be uh, placed upon, and uh, it's just you know before there ever were. Protect cases or uh, star cases or anything like that. That's how he was displaying his collection. And, right. it was, I, and I, I so wanted to like go into the the picture and you know finger through like from fr- uh, front to back to see well, which ones I can barely make out some of the other pictures <laughs> behind the other. But it was just like a kid in this toy store, like you know which ones are behind these uh, other ones that I can't see. And it was just mm-hmm. so tempting. And at the same time, that image stuck with me like for a long time. It's a I, I mean, I'm sure there's other collectors that have this magazine that I have that I'm or speaking of, but uh, it just really left an indelible mark uh, for so long. Well, I, I love that. And if you have, if you could take a, if you still have that star log and you could take yes. a picture and send it, and we, we yes, could share yeah. it. Because I, yeah, yeah. I do think, you know, like there are, there's something about when you're in the beginning stages of collecting, when you see an image of what you want your collection to look like. Like I remember there, I don't know if it still exists. Bountyhunter.com. Was that right, Steve? That that was a website, right? Uh, something like it, that. It used yeah. to compete with Rebel Scum. Was it Galactic Hunter? Galactic Hunter.com. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. It, those guys are good. But um, Jason West, the, the Jawa collector, speaking of mm-hmm. Jawas, just had a, a collector's feature on there. And it just showed, you know, he showed off his his display case, and I just was like, oh my god, that's what I want for my Chewbacca thing. And I, I don't know why I didn't look at Bill McBride's site. I don't know why I hadn't found that yet. You know, I don't know why I hadn't seen John Wooten's uh, Troopy collection. I don't know why I hadn't seen all these things. <laughs> oh, by the way, Jonathan, Troopy is just happening. Um, don't 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 <laughs> buy into it, Jonathan. Don't really don't give in. Don't give in. <laughs> Um, but that was the first like focus collection that I saw. And every time I see Jason, almost, I tell him like, I still, that one feature, that's what I'm trying to recreate. Steve, wow. do you have anything like that? Is there any picture that you, that, you, that uh, really had an impact like you? Or are you too cool for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be a tough, I gotta think real hard. I mean, or I... did you talk about it on the other podcast and you don't want to spoil it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what I think? Honestly, I think what it was was the first time I saw uh, Brock's collection in person. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I mean, that was one of the first like vintage collections I'd ever seen, aside from stuff you just see like at at a convention. So to see it like someone else's stuff set up, um, I that that was always kind of like a a mark to to strive for. And then I, you know, obviously when I remember, I very vividly remember seeing your museum when it was still 
in that closet in Santa yes. Barbara. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I, and I wanted, I actually like tried to because I didn't have much space at home either. I tried to do the whole closet thing, and it just didn't. I could not pull it off. Really? So it's like, That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, back when I still was at home, I like I tried the closet tactic and it just didn't work. <laughs> well, I have to concur, Stephen. Uh, absolutely, uh, your sentiments uh, about uh, you know Brock in the sense that speaking with him uh, earlier on, I, I joined in '05, I think, uh, Rebel Scum, and yeah. he's one of those first people you know to, to connect to, and of course, uh, it was through Brock that I would know you eventually. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, that uh, talking with Brock and, you know, when he was in the whole production phase of collecting uh, before he went to, uh, you know, prototypes and uh, I should say a pre-production stuff, sorry, uh, yeah. that uh, he he would mention the fact that, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm selling off a lot of my car stuff. Oh, really? You know, what, what, was, what, what were you, what did you have at one point? And he'd be like, almost had right at, you know, I think he said he had at or over 400 car figures. And for some it's reason, like, yeah. yeah, it became a subconscious goal to like, I gotta get to 400. <laughs> something to me. And, and, it, and for some reason, because G.I. Joe's kind of gotten in the way, but, um, you know, for some reason, uh, I have, I cannot get past that 400 mark. I mean, it's like 392, <laughs> and there is something that's like just stopping me. But like I said, I mean, the apparent reason is really G.I. Joe, but, but would, would Brock, you know, that's just, it's like, man, it's amazing that what he was able to come across. And then, of course, his uh, 41A background. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember, I think the first time I went to visit them, that was what was on display. Like, that was the main thing I remember thinking, just, whoa, this is mm -hmm. crazy. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that <laughs> I'm always sad when, when things like that get get busted up, but. Um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. especially that Leia Bespin being. Oh yeah, I remember him going after that forever and <laughs> yeah. ever and ever. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, get, so get the okay. So the the backup on this is the survival kit offer. Right. When I'm trying to think about, I mean, obviously I'm the king of the 48 Bs. So when I complete my run, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but, it will. Yes. But as far as I could tell, the most ambitious carded figure run of just one offer was Brock's survival kit offer, I think. Because yeah. I don't think anyone's ever completed the 65s. No, Jeffrey Hunter, I don't believe it has. Uh, and uh, speaking with him, you know, I, I like uh, tugged his ear like to find out, well, which ones of those 65Cs are so hard to find? And, you know, uh, uh, you know, which ones do you think just absolutely do not exist? Right. And, you know, he, he knows that it is, you cannot accomplish that. Right. So he had all 41 and it was really mm -hmm. useful for focus collectors because I would just be like, how hard's the Chewy? He'd be like, eh, right, pretty hard. Right. I'm like, yep, it was pretty hard, but I got one. <laughs> um, yeah. And so yeah. he also had some of the, he had some of the art from the card back yeah. and he had right, proofs right. and all the proofs that he had were one of a kind. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was insane. I mean, yeah. it's it, totally insane. Um, but again, yeah. that, that's that's what's so so much fun, and I think you know if we have listeners who feel like, oh man, I started too late, um, in a way you did because you didn't get to see that run the way it existed. But it's yeah. like you know, there's all these people trying to put together 21 back runs, and one of these people is going to get the Java from me, and they'll be able to complete the run. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like these things are still happening, and, and yeah. I imagine that there's going to be people who see th these pictures, Jonathan, and they're going to be like, oh man, I want a rad little closet with like the Defiant and a Dewback, <laughs> and like I want to have like all the Jaws things and like the Indiana Jones, and um, apparently some kind of Aladdin rug. 
What is that rug, John? Oh, no, no, that's Mickey Mouse. Oh, Mickey Mouse. That's from my childhood, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just love the the variety in in it. I mean, it's it's like a whole era, basically. G.I. Joe was spawned from what Star Wars was doing. Hasbro wanted to improve upon that with their articulation. They wanted to surpass Kenner and get a piece of that uh, boys' toys pie. Now, now, do you think that they succeeded? Do you think that G.I. Joe surpassed Star Wars? And I do believe that they uh, they succeeded in that. And just like the same way that, you know, He-Man wanted to get a, a piece of the pie as well. And, you know, their, the funny articles they would put in there, you know, from like, the, what was it, 1982, that uh, the year that that one article that has uh, the Luke Hoth in the background and I think the R2 sensor scope. And it's like saying that, you know, they're surpassing sales and everything uh, with, with uh, Star Wars, who had been around, you know, for four years already, right. quite honestly. And um, so everybody wanted to get in on the act. Everybody did, because they saw how, you know, how well uh, Star Wars, uh, Kenner had done uh, with Star Wars. And uh, it really was a powerhouse. And uh, everybody was just jumping on. And, um, and really, I think Hasbro quite honestly, gave them a run for their money. I don't know if this exists, but if I were you, Jonathan, I would start a Facebook group that forbids focus collectors from joining it. (laughs) So it would be you, Yehuda, um, Ron, Todd Chamberlain. um, I guess maybe Jeff Jacobs too, because I don't think he has a focus. Yeah, I mean, there'd be uh, people, like Phidias would be on the edge of it, but I, you know, he has too much of a bib thing going. That I think you'd have to exclude him. Oh, right. And, and yeah. you guys could just hang around and make fun of focus collectors and just like work on trading each other stuff, and none of you saying like, "Oh, I need that because I'm a guy who does that." So, anyways, <laughs> is it equivalent to being like a college student who's in his fourth year and still hasn't, you know, picked out a major? I mean, <laughs> yeah. is, is that kind of what it would be like? Is like, you need to focus, son. You know, it's like you need to. Put down a brass tacks here because I, I mean, is it looked at as a bad thing? No, I don't think so. No, I, I, no, not at all. No, I, okay. I think to the contrary. I think if I think too many people have a focus because they don't have enough imagination. So, hmm. like, if I could do it over again, I don't know if I would have a focus, but like, yeah. as cheesy as it is, the focus actually did sort of choose me. I mean, you know, it, it's been. I've been yeah. have I've been doing Chewbacca for so long; it's just ridiculous. But like, yeah. no, I, I think that there are just some people who it's better for, and it's it's a different style of collecting, and I think it's a different joy. All right, so I think uh, Steve, I think are we ready for the Soviet lightning round? Yeah, let's do that. All right, and then we'll do the whole the whole like official plug thing, like like a real. I have an idea for that. Okay, <laughs> so Jonathan. Uh, Let's see. The funny thing is I haven't memorized all the questions. I always have to look up on my computer and sometimes sure. I find old ones and sometimes I find new ones. Um, <laughs> Just never know. I, Steve, is the bad line from a Star Wars movie a good question? Well, let's, I mean, a, let's ask it and yeah, see if he has an answer it. for it. What is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? It's got to be from a prequel. Okay. I mean, it, I couldn't dare say, you know, original trilogy. Um I mean, probably the whole, you know, um, uh, maybe it's in the delivery, I, I guess, but, uh, uh, you know, with Jake Lloyd and, uh, uh, he, he just has this kind of smarmy 
uh, response. I was saying, let me, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It's uh, okay. If, if you can think of what is the smarmy line that he's thinking of, email us <laughs> kivecast at gmail dot com. Um, now, uh, if your little closet were to catch fire because you had an old film projector and it went that there was, and then it caught fire and you could mm-hmm. only save one item uh, mm-hmm. and don't. I don't want to hear anything about G.I. Joe, okay? If the answer is G.I. Uh-huh. Joe, just pretend that it's not. If you had to save one of your Star Wars items uh, okay. from – oh, do you, have you named your collection, by the way? No, no. Oh, boy. No. You should work on that too. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble trying to name the fifth child. Okay. <laughs> can, I, can I suggest a name? Brahe. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> And that's totally unrelated to the uh, podcast, of course. Yes. Uh, it's just a good name. Uh, yeah. It's Icelandic for snob. Uh... <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I called it up earlier. So, yeah. Um, so so uh, what would be the, the one Star Wars item you would take? Okay. Um, and for the record, it, it's not a closet. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new 2014 build, and it's probably like a big pantry. It's 11 by 6. Oh, okay. So oh. I just underestimated its construction in the sense that, like, yeah, sure, I can fit all that in there. Not really knowing how big it was going to get with, you know, G.I. Joe, the, the, un, the unnamed I should not mention <laughs> anymore. But anyway, so just so you know, that's, okay. it's like a big, big pantry. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, I would say the one piece that I have, I guess, and it's probably ubiquitous to the super collectors out there, but quite honestly, I like my uh, uh, three-pack, my um, droids three-pack. Uh, that has the power droid and R5D4 and uh, Death Star droid. Awesome. Is there any fun I, story about how you got that? Was that from the, the weird guy's Corvette? or No, no. Uh, Mr. Bill Wills, uh, actually, I was able to buy that from him up in Ohio. And uh, he uh, named a good price. And these are obviously all prices before everything got crazy. It's before the dark times. <laughs> yes, yes. So I would not be able to obtain or have that piece in my collection if I had you know, bought it yesterday. There's just no way, uh, especially to know that there's you know, 15 other three-packs out there that I have to obtain to you know, have a complete, uh, complete uh, three-pack collection. It just blows my mind. Okay. Um, now, for... Okay, you can tell us what what's your anything in there, if because yes. people also yes. collect GI Joe, listen to yes. the show for some reason. So why don't you tell us if you have anything in the closet, even if it's not Star Wars, what would it be? Awesome. Okay, here we go. <laughs> hold on to your socks. Okay, uh, this is a. <laughs> I will hold on to my butt, even seeing as you're such a, Stil- a Spielberg fan. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> this is um, it's a, it's a breaker. The character's name is Breaker. It's a card to Breaker. Now that sounds, you know, commonplace again. Is is this uh, is this the gay sailor guy or a different guy? No, 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 no one was like that. Not in GI Joe. I mean, at least not back then. But the thing is that uh, that's shipwreck. You're thinking of shipwreck. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Breaker, no GI Joe. Okay. Breaker. I'm looking he's, him up here. Yeah, he's from Tennessee, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He's um, he originally came out in 1982. He's one of the first 13 that came out. And notice, notice this. I don't think this is uh, uh, just random. Uh, GI Joe came out with an original 13 GI Joe members ah. to one up the 12 that came out with Star Wars. Hey, I, I like that's, that. That's that's a that's a sky esque theory, like totally untenable, Seriously? but just run Seriously? with it. I, 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 that's I, I troopy. 
Well, yeah, I want to hold on to that till I die because I, I have to. I want someone that Hasbro to like a Kurt Bazigian or someone like that to come up and say, "Yes, you found us out." You know, that was you know, that was the Illuminati, you know, approach to <laughs> yes. actually, you know, one upping just Star Wars at the time. So this breaker, and I, I'm going to try to give you the, the shortest possible uh, version of the story. So the so breaker is a communications officer. Yes, and. The figure has a beard, but the figure on the in the drawing where he's exploding and all that, he doesn't have a beard. He just has a That's weird right. helmet and a cool-looking okay. backpack. And apparently, Steve, he has a swivel arm battle grip. Yes. Uh, well, well that, that's how he was subsequently released. I'd say like a, a version one and a half. Oh, okay. okay. So everybody eventually would go swivel arm. The thing about this is there was a big collector named Gary Goggles Head who just passed mm -hmm. away at the beginning of last yeah. year. And a lot of people, I believe, in the Star Wars community know, knew of him. Yeah. And he was big G.I. Joe. And he, his, his biggest claim of fame was actually creating Joe Declassified, which looks at the pre-production aspect of G.I. Joe. And so he was, it's kind of like one of those, you know, our, you know, Gus Lopez, uh, or Duncan Jenkins, you know, those kind of, uh, guys, uh, that, you know, that look at it beyond just what was on the shelves, uh, at the time, what was sold in the stores. So Joe Declassified goes and hunts down designers, uh, artists, uh, sculptors, anybody, you know, that worked at Hasbro and, uh, Rhode Island at the time. And, uh, it was, I, I was finally able to meet him in 2014 in Dallas at, uh, uh, Joe Con of that year. And I introduced myself, said, hello, it's a pleasure to meet you. And he said, well, are you going to be here for our panel on Sunday? I said, no, sir, I got to leave. My wife would kill me if I don't get home. And so, He's like, well, let me show you something we're going to um, uh, show exclusively at the panel. And it showed two figures. One was this breaker. And the breaker that I played with was not the breaker in this image, but it was a, uh, a soldier who was beardless. And then there was another soldier named Zap who had a like Mexican-style pencil mustache. And they, this is the way these figures looked in the comic book ah. when Mark was putting them out. So he said the story behind that is the fact that Hasbro wanted to release the first 13 in individual, um, unique uh, image, imagery, uh, the unique sculpting for each headed figure. But the fact mm. was that when they got down to it, to actually, you, you know, uh, going full steam ahead with that, and then, you know, they're doing all their pre production in 1981, they kind of got cold feet and they weren't sure that, you know, they were going to make any money off this in the first place because, after all, G.I. Joe had been around from 1964 and kind of crashed and burned in 78 due to the fact, you know, you have the problems with the oil industry at the time. And then, of course, you have coming out of Vietnam, G.I. Joe had to go from being a soldier to being an adventurer. And then all of a sudden he's fighting uh, you know, space invaders, these cavemen from uh, Mars. And it's just like it gets too weird by the end of the late 70s. So this rehashing of G.I. Joe, three and three-quarter inch uh, format, is an answer to Star Wars and the competition at the market. And so... Uh, that was how Hasbro was looking at it, but it was too costly to make 13 individual heads. So what they did is they made a grouping of three. Like, okay, these three guys will look the same, but we'll just give him black hair, him brown hair, and him blonde hair. These other three guys, the same kind of face, but him, he's got black hair, brown hair. And so that's, if you look back, you'll see exactly, it's kind of like a cheat. It's a big cheat. Well, you know, I said, oh, thank you for the explanation. It's very nice. He didn't have to show me. He said, keep it underneath your hat. You know, we don't want anybody really this getting leaked out. Like, hey, who am I going to tell? I'm nobody. 
so I'd go home. Uh, that was in April of 2014. In June of 2014, I'm sitting in bed, and I'm like, you know, well, um, I got a couple bucks to, uh, to blow on eBay. Let's, look, let's go through eBay. And I'm looking, and there's this gentleman that has all these carded Joes. I'm like, oh, I need that one. I need Firefly. I need uh, this figure. I need that. And all of a sudden, oh, there's a breaker. And let me, you know, and the thumbnail image didn't do it justice because there was a glare on the bubble uh, that he wasn't, this wasn't a skilled photographer taking these images. And so I go in to look at the other images that was associated with this breaker and the close-up of the head sculpt, again, just took me aback. I, and I look, I'm like, are, am I seeing what I just saw a couple of months ago? Could this be someone playing a cruel joke and and trying to maybe saw the panel and was trying to take advantage of information that was only shown at Jocon. Uh, and it was the same head on this breaker. And I was like, this got to be, this has got to be fake. So, be so a it's a head without a beard. Correct. Okay. It's, okay. It's, it's, and it's really nice. It's called like the hair is raked back just like as if uh, breaker uh, had looked in the Marvel, the early Marvel comic run. Uh, and so, uh, I was like, well, uh, I started reading, and every every carded figure has this description, this disclaimer that none of these figures ever hit the, the toy shelf. They never hung on a peg, and uh, they have uh, they were used in photo shoots. I'm like, really? So I it, it had a starting bid at fifty bucks. There was no buy it now. I asked the guy, hey, what's your uh, buy it now price you have in mind for this figure? I figured it'd be low enough, and I could just take a uh, take a shot at it and, you know, turns out it's fake and I can get my money back through PayPal. So I send off for it. Uh, I, I, I send that email out to that guy. Don't hear anything. I got to be up for church the next morning. Uh, you know, so I, you know, I go to bed. I awake and then all of a sudden I get this, you know, before I, I'm sorry, I, before I go to bed, this guy finally gets in touch with me. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I was thinking, you know, this piddly amount, you know, you, you know, would you be interested? You know, I've got set it up for you to buy now. Thank you for asking. So I buy it on a whim, just like God. Let me just let me just buy this thing, see what happens. So I text Gary Head, and I say, Gary, you know, I'm about to go to bed and everything, but uh, does this look familiar? Does this look right? Do you remember me in our uh, interaction back in April? And I don't hear from him right away, so I do go to bed, and then I wake up early uh, Sunday morning, and then all of a sudden a barrage of PMs come in and this uh, Gary is going nuts, <laughs> which only validates what I found to be absolutely real. And what this turns out to be is that this is breaker in uh, with his original head sculpt that came out in two waves later. It's not in 1982, but it's 1984 pre 1984 release. And it's Hasbro going back and thinking, what if we revisited this idea what if we, you know, we already did uh, one alternation with the, um, um, alteration, sorry, with the swivel arm, and uh, we saw how well that went. Why don't we go back to our original 13 and make it look like the way we intended? So there was this zap that, uh, that was created, and then this breaker, which there is another breaker that does exist that is uh, owned by a, a very prominent individual in the Hasbro uh, uh, industry there, the, the actual uh, uh, corporation, which I I was uh, told about, and it just again I'm like, oh my gosh, so there's another one that exists, and that 
helps validate, um, you know, the, the existence of this thing. But uh, the thing is that, yeah, this piece is incredible in the sense that it was just as a photo sample. It was given to the guys at the firm that would take in all of Hasbro's toys, Transformers, My Little Pony, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and then just take the image, uh, you know, photograph it, and then utilize it in the catalogs and uh, you know any bit of media that they needed to uh, place these images in, and then Hasbro in turn be like, yeah, just keep it, hold on to it, you know, we don't need it back. Right. And that's what this guy, who was the son of the gentleman that worked at the firm had in his possession and quite honestly was selling it off when he wasn't supposed to be. Huh. Wow. So this piece, this, you know, really, really rare piece is probably the thing that really trumps any, uh, sorry to use that word, but uh, it trumps anything. Hey, it's that, tremendous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really trumps anything. Was it made in China? Yeah. <laughs> made in no, China. But, uh, Hong Kong at the time, which was uh, underneath British rule. So it's just, but now it's owned by China. <laughs> Correct. Okay. So you know it's uh, wow. That's, that, that sounds pretty wicked. And I have to say, I, I while you were telling the story, I looked up Breaker more, and mm -hmm. in the movie Rise of Cobra, which I know is considered to be one of the three best movies of all time, <laughs> yes. um, he's actually played by a French actor. Um, yeah, that's right. And yes. and the, the French actor was in the movie called La N, which I teach every semester. Uh, Hate, which is, I mean. <laughs> True masterpiece of of <laughs> movies the last twenty years. I love 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 La N, and I didn't realize that he was in GI Joe. Because no offense, I didn't watch it. Um, but now I know that there's actually a a Saeed, uh figure from La N. So I'm just going to actually buy that, make a custom, because uh, because <laughs> they made a they made a modern breaker, and I guess he is now a a Frenchman of Algerian yes. descent. That's correct. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, I don't know, Steve. I still think the three-pack is cooler. What do you think? <laughs> I'll say that it's not more expensive. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, well, then, uh, now I definitely do not care about your Holy Grail in terms of G.I. Joe. So what is your Holy, what is your holy Grail for Star Wars? Mm, mm. Wow. You know, quite honestly, I mean, it's so funny. With all that I have, and I still don't have a stinking... Um, Unused or sealed uh, Sandcrawler or uh, the Sears uh, Cantina uh, Adventure playset. I don't have either one of those, and I quite honestly, I'd love to have an unused uh, part of the Cantina. About between the two would be the best because it'd be neat to. What would be neat is to validate the fact that it came with a red snaggletooth. Right. And I think <laughs> I think what's his face, uh, DiMartino. Uh, I thought he had one in his collection. Hopefully, we'll see that when the book comes out, but uh, I thought that he, he was supposed to have had evidence of that. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, you see, Steve, this is why the non-focus collectors need to, need to have their own little Facebook group. Yeah. Because uh, they can help each other out because that's like a totally, you know, if you're a focus collector, you're like, I need the hard copy, the unpainted hard copy sample photo paint test of the Dubak from the 1979 Playmex catalog that was only released and I know that someone had it because they traded it for small arms somewhere in Sudan and, you know that whole thing it's just like it's like yeah I would just like this thing that's that I could probably get that, that's awesome and then finally if you were a vintage Star Wars item 
which one would you be? Not which one would you like to be, but which one do you think actually represents Jonathan Robinson as a person? Hmm. Well, I would have to say it's probably, it's not so much 3PO himself, but what 3PO is capable of in the sense of being able to regurgitate a lot of useless information. Okay. <laughs> you see, so and, and to the point of where Han Solo has to shut him up by putting his hand over his mouth. Huh. So, so would you the, be a removable limb or, or just standard or, or – I the, am probably the 3PO that gets blasted. Okay. <laughs> removable limb 3 You know, I mean, at least I know that there's a great community that exists out there that's just, you know, a couple of button clicks away. Right. And, we're, all, we're all in the same – Junkie sand crawler together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we were thinking, Jonathan, if if you have the time, we were thinking mm -hmm. about maybe doing the market watch, and we could have you versus me, and whoever gets closer more often wins. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you are you good for that? Uh, yes, sir. All right. Now I can. Tell you, I just did a market watch on my own on Breaker, Steve. <laughs> listen to this, okay? If you decided you wanted to get Breaker with and without the swivel arm. Plus a Japanese breaker, plus a Mexican breaker. You could do so for like under like a thousand bucks. You could have like a pretty sweet breaker run for like under a thousand bucks. So that's uh, something to think about with GI Joe. There you have it. I, the Mexican one's cool because it's all like, uh, uh, where is it? Steve, you speak Spanish, so you think it's funny. It's all like, uh, it's two hundred and fifty bucks for. Arican Arican commandos, Ericos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty <laughs> <Nice>. sweet. Okay, <laughs> so you are most likely going to be much better. I'll put in the the drop for the uh, market watch here. One dollar flicks. Market watch. Okay, so now it's just going to be a simple who gets the point, Steve, okay? okay. So I'm going to All keep right. track here, uh, Jonathan and me, and just who's closer, not over or under, but who's closer, right. Right. okay? All right. All right. So uh, to give you some background here, this is, uh, this is from Pete. Uh, he recently took a look at some uh, very high-grade Jedi and Power of the Force figures um, that sold. So with that in mind, uh, we'll, we'll do a sampling here. So to start off, we've got a, a Han Solo in trench coat, AFA 85 with a crystal clear bubble. Okay, oh, wow. now, now first of all, the rule is you have to write down the number and then we have to say what it is. Okay. okay? Yeah. So you said it's a Han trench coat, clear bubble, 85 you said? Yes. Okay, I'm going to write down a number right here. Have you written your numbers down, Jonathan? Yes, sir. Okay, I wrote five hundred twenty-five dollars. I I put three twenty-five. I guess I'm out of touch. Hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Well, you're you're both a little bit off. It was a uh, fifteen twenty-six. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First off, I win. Second of all, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah. Fifteen hundred bucks for a Han trench coat? Wait a minute. Cause yep. I, I've got. I'm not an AFA guy. And I don't, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm not saying anything against anybody who does, but there's a, I have about 11 AFA figures. I have, I have this one. 
You have, have an AFA. Is it is it clear bubble? It is a clear bubble. It has no wide designation. It has not taken on the qualities of a yellow bubble. It is a seventy nine back, ah, okay. uh, which may be a little harder to find. You know, when, when you you know you say forty eight to seventy nine, it always tends to be seventy uh, nines uh, are a little bit harder. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I that that blows my mind. I cannot believe that. Well, now now you've kind of. <laughs> You've seen what the uh, the landscape is like here, so yes. okay. Um, hey, yes. So okay. uh, let's see. What do we want to do next? <laughs> next uh, is going to be like, it's going to be like a sixty five back Luke Jedi. I'm going to be like thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we recently had this guy as a figure of the month. So it's an Imperial Tie Fighter pilot, uh, same grade AFA eighty five clear bubble. And what what card back? Uh, Jedi. Let's see. It was a Jedi sixty five A. Mm. Mm. So Oculus, beautiful. All right. Um, I'm going to write down a number. Have you written your number down, Jonathan? I have. Okay. Once again, I say five hundred twenty-five dollars. <laughs> I I went with thirteen hundred. One thousand two or yeah, one thousand and twenty-five. So, there you go. Wow. All right, we a thousand are, we are bucks. Here. For yep. a fighter pilot? My yes. goodness. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So we're, we're even here. Uh, let's see. What do we want to do next? Why don't we jump into some Power of the Force figures? Um, okay. All right. Let's go with this. So we've got a Luke in Battle Poncho, AFA 85, Crystal Clear Bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write down a number that I don't like. <laughs> I'm writing it right down. I'm putting a comma for a Luke Poncho. Do you understand? <laughs> I am putting a comma mm-hmm. in my guest. I don't mean to tip off my thing, but I think you're probably putting a comma too. Mm-hmm. Um, I am actually going to go – have you written your number down, Jonathan? I have, yes. Okay. I'm going to go with the Lucas number, $1,138. Okay. I, I put $1,100. Oh, okay. Just just edged him out there. <laughs> so this was fourteen ninety two. Wow. I should have went with the Columbus yeah. number. <laughs> I know the Columbus yeah. number, you would have just nailed it. Fourteen hundred bucks for a Luke Poncho. Okay, yep. so I guess it's the clear bubble. It's ah. the clear bubble. Uh and I'm guessing oh Pete kind of touches on this. It's the, the whole um kind of kind of collecting the grade thing in terms of how many exist with that grade that had been documented. So I think that plays into it quite a bit. Um, all right. Uh, you ready for a couple more? Oh, yeah. Okay. Especially seeing as I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's 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 do um, – okay. We have an Amana Man AFA 80, but mm-hmm. crystal clear bubble. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Now this is a I this I would like. This is cool. This is yep. something. This isn't a Luke Poncho. <laughs> um All right, well all right. Uh, all right. You you got your number down, Jonathan? Yes. I went with the Lucas number again, one thousand one hundred and thirty eight dollars. Okay. I went with fourteen hundred. All right, so this you get a bargain here for nine hundred sixty-eight. Uh, hey. How does that? You, you see far, you know, fewer uh, crystal uh, bubbled uh, amana man. I mean, I don't understand that. It makes well, no sense. It's because yeah. it's AFA eighty-five. 
Not AFA. Oh, 80 versus. That's 80, right, 80 yeah. versus. That's right. Oh, you're telling me that point, that, that, I mean, I'm sorry, that five points lower does it for me. I mean, I can't. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, I'm gonna pick. Let's see. So, what's the score now, Sky? What do we? Uh, it's three to one. Three yeah. to one. Okay. So I need to give Jonathan a, a chance to come back. Okay. At least. Oh. Um, have no Sweep the leg. Have no pity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. Let's stick power of the force. Let's go with. Good lord. Um. Okay. Luke Skywalker Imperial Stormtrooper outfit. AFA eighty five clear oh. bubble. Oh goodness. <sighs> okay. You had done your number? Yes. Okay, I've gone with an Arthur C. Clarke number <laughs> two thousand and one. <laughs> I went six okay. Six thousand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Once yeah. again, I'd like to point out I win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have a question. Okay, six thousand yeah. dollars for Luke Stormy. So mm-hmm. I paid less than that. In two thousand and five, you could have bought three pieces of used photo art mm-hmm. for that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, six right. $6,000. For one yeah. piece. For one piece. No. For, uh, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, oh, Lord. I'm just, yeah. I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, okay. All right. All right. You know what I always do to everyone else, Steve? We'll do last one. This one wins it. <laughs> you see? Okay. It, it's good for the goose, good for the gander. Let's do one last one. All right. <laughs> so this is, uh, you know, everyone's favorite Power of the Force figure, the uh, Imperial Dignitary, mm-hmm. AFA 85, clear bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is for all the marbles. Mm-hmm. I just wrote down clear buble. Um, <laughs> wonder of it all. Okay, 85, Imperial Dignitude. Uh, okay, I am Okay. Okay. In honor of Jonathan's movie, mm. I have written down the year that Close Encounters of the Third Kind. By the way, I didn't want to watch it initially because I thought I was missing the first two movies. <laughs> that that is not a joke. That is the truth. I was waiting to see the movie Close Encounters of the First Kind and the Second Kind. Um. Awesome. Uh, much like Leonard Part Six, but it was unintentional. So I went with 1976 because that was the year it turns out okay. they filmed that movie. <laughs> I went right, with a, a paltry 875 bucks. Two thousand. Oh, so <laughs> close! My goodness. See, that, I think Jonathan, it just means that you're a sensible human being. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I'm stuck in the 90s. I'm That's actually right. stuck in the 90s. Yeah, no, this is a, it's an insane set of, there's some others in here that, um, if you, if you go to the blog, uh, and see this post, um, there are a lot of just head shakers. Some much more so than others, obviously, as we've, we've seen, but man, I mean, they're, they're beautiful to look at, but good lord. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, then, um, the, 
See, you were I've never won this game. I always lose. So, <laughs> so this is really weird. What I was going to do was do like a whole thing of like where you get an extra plug for your for your movie. But we're going to do it anyways. <laughs> but this is what I want to do. Okay. So I actually have my my Amazon open. So first of all, mm -hmm. um, I should probably see Close Encounters of the Third Kind, even though I haven't seen Second Kind again. So, um, is there like a version out that people that like, is the Blu-ray really good or what's your experience? Yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, when the Blu-ray came out, what was that about, uh, four years ago, uh, it came out with all three versions. Okay. So he has the, the original theatrical in, in Blu-ray. Yes, he does. Okay. He has, okay. he has the 77 release. He then has the uh, 1980 special edition. And then he does have the director's uh, cut, uh, the late '90s director's okay. cut. Okay. Okay. And and I quite honestly, I, I think of, of all of them, it's so hard to say between that theatrical release and then his version of it in the '90s. Uh -huh. Yeah. I would say those are the two. I just cannot decide between it. Mm. Okay. Well, because. I'm now being reminded that Francois Truffaut is in the movie as well. Oh, okay. yeah. Come on, Sky. This is right up your – you, you got to yes. remember this thing. Listen, okay. I remember Diablo being cool, that word being cool. I, I'm i not a big fan of – Richard Dreyfuss was in it, right? Yes. Yeah. For yeah. some reason, I've never been a big fan of him. Mm -hmm. And I thought that there was two other ones that I hadn't seen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then and I saw that movie with Christopher Walken – with the aliens, mm -hmm. and that, in my opinion, is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I understand yeah. that it's not that scary now, but Communion was the name of that movie. No movie has scared me as much as that. Okay. Yeah. Is that about like uh, like alien abduction? I've never seen that one. Uh, That's a good aliens. One. Yeah. I have to say, Close yeah. Encounters scared the death out of me. I, I was just, I was terrified of Close Encounters. Um, mm -hmm. And I was also terrified, terrified of E.T., if that says anything about me. Maybe it was something about Spielberg and his extraterrestrials, but they just both gave me nightmares as a child. And okay. I didn't see them again until much later. So, so yeah. I'm, I'm going on Amazon, and if you'd like to click through our site, you can't because we don't do advertisements on our show. So I'm adding to my cart Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And now the next question is, how do I get your movie about the people in Mobile, Alabama and making this movie? Yes, uh couple of different ways. Uh, okay. On my uh, wall, I have placed an advertisement for simply looking for Jonathan Robinson. I'm usually, my avatar is a picture of me holding a Lego uh, Oscar. Okay. And, if um, you want to hold a real one, go hang out with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. They, absolutely. Uh, at least, it, but this was a real Lego Oscar, too. I mean, not something. Yeah, no, it was, I remember that was, uh, <laughs> what year was that from? Oh, what, is it two years? Or was it, wait a minute. It was recent, yeah. It's pretty. It may was last yeah. year. Yeah. It might have been. Um, the, uh, but yeah, uh, there's uh, that. Uh, if you don't want to go that route, there is a group uh, on Facebook uh, that is entitled "Who Are You People." Okay. And as simple as that, and and that line comes from the movie itself. I'm not trying to be, you know, rude about it or anything like that. I it, it's literally Richard Dreyfuss's character, Roy Neary, uh, questioning. Uh, Francois Truffaut and uh, Bob Balaban, uh, and during an interrogation, like you know, who are you people? Why do you know so much about me? You know, and uh, so I uh, thought that um, I should just maybe start a group page. And in, on the uh, first couple entries there, you're going to see uh, uh, on VHX VHX uh, dot TV uh, there is a uh, entry for us to actually be able to pre-order 
the documentary or just simply rent it uh, by uh, June 7th is when the official release is. And uh, June 7th, um, this all, it was amazing about this year is 40 years ago, uh, you know, today they were shooting in Mobile. Well, that's uh, awesome. This is, you know, that, that same uh, time frame. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's pretty interesting uh, that, you know, again, you get to kind of understand that this major opus uh, that, you know, we, a lot of science fiction fans would come to revere uh, was actually shot in a place that, a lot of people don't even really know exists. Uh, and at the time, Mobile was nothing big. It, it's the only port city there in Alabama. And, uh, it, it's right now, it's like, it's behind Birmingham, Alabama, as far as, you know, it's, it's size today. But back then, it just wasn't as big. And of course, you're looking at the economy of the seventies. You're looking at the tail end of Vietnam. You're looking at a lot of problems that the nation was facing that can be seen and represented in this, uh, uh port town uh, of Mobile, Alabama. And so for something like this to come through and take people out of their ordinary positions of life uh, is a great human interest story in that sense that, uh, you know, it, it, it presents an, a certain amount of wonder. Of course, suspicion at first, but in, you know, in the end, these people are left with a memory that never left. I mean, their, their, their recollections were crystal clear and you have, you have to wonder, like, gosh, you know, almost 40 years ago, how could someone, you know, remember something like that? Well, that's simple. I can ask you, you know, what did you have for lunch two days ago, and you really wouldn't be able to tell me. That's because it's a memory that you take for granted or something something your brain didn't want to store. Right. Now, something that takes you out of the ordinary, like, for example, the first girl you kissed, or it's something that I've never done before, you know, and the brain records that memory. Uh, in this case, or a really horrible automobile accident, in this case, to these people, it was the first time it ever had happened. And so the recollections were crystal clear. And um, it stayed with them. And they were happy to, you know, re recount these stories to me. And I was, it was amazing to be able to uh, verify from one person's story to the other uh, their, the validity and the, the truth behind uh, what they were saying. And then, the, of course, the, the things that came out that are seen in this documentary, that is to say, photographs that have never been seen before, a lot of clandestine photographs that should have never been taken by people on that, uh, in that hangar set when they were told, you know, upon term, you will be terminated if we, you're caught with a camera. And, right. Like the okay. set leaks, like happening now with episode eight. Exactly. Spielberg didn't like the fact that Newsweek had an image of Bruce the Shark on uh, the cover of their magazine before the movie ever came out. Huh. So huh. he's like, uh, you know, what the heck, guys? Come on. This is the big scare. You know I mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're killing. You know, this is – and that, it, it just perturbed him to no end. And so that's why when he was making Close Encounters, he made sure that security was going to be super hyped, that, you know, there was going to be no way any of this information could be leaked out. And to the credit – of the individuals who took the pictures on set, they weren't leaked until I finally came around asking about them. Huh. You know, over 35 years ago. So that just goes to show you that these people believed in what they were doing. They absolutely were behind it 100%. Wanted to see it, you know, uh, achieve success. 
And quite honestly, yeah, it came out the same year as Star Wars, and it came after Star Wars, but it's not in the same genre. It's not really in the same genre, I should say. It's, it's, it's to say that Star Wars is a sci-fi film and that Close Encounters is a sci-fi film, yet, you know, I mean, it's two different caliber. One's kind of like almost, you know, one's a popcorn movie, and you could watch it a billion times over. Close Encounters is almost like a thinking man's movie, and you can get away with watching it maybe twice and say, I feel satisfied watching it. Right. And um, and I don't think, to me, because I'm biased, I feel that one is not greater than the other, quite honestly. And they both have their merits. And that's um, that's just you know how I personally feel about it. Awesome. Well, um, hey Steve, can you check your email? Uh, yes. Okay. So Jonathan, uh, Steve's gonna check his email right now. Okay. Um, I just sent him an email. Yeah, hold on. Wow, Sky, this is a this is a generous. <laughs> All right. So I just bought the movie for Steve. <laughs> so you go to WayP dot vhx dot tv and mm-hmm. way p stands for who are you people in case you yes. didn't know because i didn't know what that meant so anyways you can go to the the facebook page and we'll link to it and buy it and support jonathan so he can buy more toys and have <laughs> apparently 11 more kids well, <laughs> well to be to be honest i will say that the wonderful thing about this is, is not uh, I, look i've been working on this for over five years okay and it was all out of pocket and there, I'm not going to make anything off this. But if anything, I would want it to be exposed. I would want it to, I want these people in this documentary to be exposed. I've already had three of them die on me. Right. Quite honestly. It's, you know, I understand now what the show of foundation was all about, you know, in the sense of like, if you don't record people's testimony, no one else is going to do it. And so with what, you know, Spielberg did with Shoah, what the, the World War II Museum in New Orleans here, you know, is doing with as many survivors as they can find in World War II, because our vets are dying, you know. Obviously, I, th- I think we have, I think the last World War I vet just died, you know, a month or so, or several months back. Um, we don't have anybody, you know, to tell us these stories. And, and, the, and the next question is, well, who's asking the questions to them? Is there anybody that will ask questions? Now, these, what I've done with Close Encounter, or this uh, documentary, is not equivalent to the heroism and the pure struggle of the two previous uh, foundations I just mentioned. Right. But it is history. It is oral history. And, yeah. you know, and it's something that I found out things in this documentary that I had not heard, seen written down before. And there, was, there were call sheets to back it all up. And it was it was incredible, and, the, and like I said, the things that came out of these, uh, the personal effects of some of these people. I, I wasn't, you know, artifact hunting. I wasn't, you know, so-called grave robbing with this documentary. You know, uh, uh, much like what Mr. Sansweet said in the you know the last of uh, or the couple podcasts back. You know, he wasn't doing his research with the book in order to obtain uh, uh, items. It, it, but it naturally kind of came up. Like, here you go. You want this? I was about to throw it out. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll take that call sheet, you know, dated June, you know, 21st, 1976. Sure, I, I wouldn't mind having that as a bit of a record. I'll have some mashed potatoes. <laughs> why, yeah, why not? Exactly. I say <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and, and in that sense, it's, uh, it, it's more profound. It has more weight to it now that you understand that it's, this is told from the human side of things. And that's why I made a point not to interview, uh, well-known t- 
technicians, well-known artists and actors. And you know what I'm saying? Because that has been done before. We all, we do to a degree know how Close Encounters was made if, you know, if you're an aficionado of that movie. But this is told from a more, uh, a different perspective, much the way that, uh, uh Jim Beller and uh, his cohort, when they wrote their Jaws book, Memories from Martha's Vineyard, told it in book form. Mm-hmm. And when I, you know, when that came out in 2011, I was kind of like grief struck and like, oh my gosh, here, these guys are doing this idea and it's like the same idea I had. And it's like now they're going to think I'm plagiarizing and it's like, I feel so bad. And, but I talked to Jim Beller and he's like, no, go ahead with it. You know, it's like, this is a different movie. This is Spielberg at a different time of his life. Yeah. And, so. Right. Awesome. Well, I've, I've pre-ordered it. Uh, for Steve, Thank and I, Thank I will, you, I will get my own copy. Awesome. Or Steve, you can buy me a copy later. Yeah, I think that'll work. <laughs> and he did too. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for the uh, opportunity, gentlemen. I really do appreciate it. Even if I had nothing to tout, it, it was just an honor speaking to the both of you. And uh, I, I just cannot say thank you enough. Awesome. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Crew blue, go up a perfect fifth. Gravity Nothing. Nothing at all. Privet. All right. Well, good talking to Jonathan. Yeah, it was a it was a great great talk. I guess I'll have to leave some of the GI Joe stuff in there. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll just cut it down so it's like breaker, and then just go to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that story was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't help it. I love a good Toy Story, um, mm-hmm. which of course means Toy Story one and two. <laughs> Toy Story three wasn't very good. Uh, we're not going to do feedback tonight uh, because this is just a weird, funky episode. Enjoy thinking about uh, Fluffy and uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Toyed Kind and the Collect website, maybe too. Who knows? Uh, so, uh, Wampa Wampa. Adios. Don't quote me, boy, cause I ain't said Yes, well, we do have that. As a matter of fact, the expurgated version. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. The expurgated version. The expurgated version of Olsen's standard book of British birds? The one without the gannet. The one without the gannet? They've all got the gannet. It's a standard British bird, the gannet. It's in all the books. Where are they alone? They wet their nests. All right. I'll do it. Any other birds you don't like? I don't like the robin. The robin? Right.